Welcome, everybody, to the Valentine's Day episode of Indubitably, which just so happens to be episode number 69 for us. You are a child. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Kelly. <laughs> Happy uh, Singles Awareness Day, Josh. Oh, are you one of those? I don't know. I mostly don't pay attention to Valentine's Day overall, but it does seem like a pretty hmm, insensitive holiday for people who maybe are not happily coupled. I think I'm a on the Singles Awareness Day train, too, if I'm being honest. Did you watch 30 Rock? I, and I think I tried to get you to watch 30 Rock. I watched a little bit. Well, Liz Lemon decides that Valentine's Day should actually be celebrated as Happy Anna Howard Shaw Day. And Anna Howard Shaw, I think, was a suffragist or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't really go very well for her. I could imagine. And there's probably a reason why she's single. I mean... I think Liz Lemon is delightful. So I, I don't know what you're implying here. <laughs> I actually do like that character too. Uh, it would be tough to date her though, potentially. Well, you're just intimidated by powerful women. Nothing scarier than a powerful, educated woman. Absolutely. There's a comedian, I think Sam Morell, that has a joke where when he's getting on the subway in New York City at one in the morning, the last thing he wants to see getting on with him is a <laughs> educated woman oh no i better get off of the next stop before i'm in danger <laughs> what's she gonna do make him like pledge to their local public radio station or something probably just point out his mediocrity oh well i think a lot of women kind of expect people to understand their own mediocrity and don't need to point it out to other people this is why you're pro single awareness day because i'm just a bitter bitch <laughs> i'm not gonna comment on that. <laughs> very very smart Now that we've established we might have a little bit of cynicism surrounding Valentine's Day, I do think it's worth exploring some of the topics that surround relationships and maybe we'll change our minds along the way and understanding why people value being in relationships and doing special things for their significant other on dumb holidays like Valentine's Day. You know, what I always say is I don't celebrate Valentine's Day because I appreciate my significant other every day of the year. Do you want me to just do like a tiny little golf clap for you or something? Was that the objective of saying that? <laughs> you know, in my head, it sounds great, but for some reason, it never seems to work. No, it sounds very, uh, rings untrue. <laughs> it's a little bit too convenient. Maybe. Yeah. So I think today what we're going to talk about in honor of Valentine's Day is, is it better to be single? Is it better to be in a relationship? And I suppose as an extension of that, is marriage the ultimate goal of relationships? Or is marriage even something that should exist overall, whether it's recognized by institutions like the government or a religion? We're taking Jaded to a whole new level this Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't think that we're the only people that have this attitude, though. I, in the past, there's certainly a stigma against being single. In the past past, a pretty serious stigma against being single. You wanted to avoid being a spinstress. 
Well, spinster is the technical term, but I think you're referring to myself given moniker of a spinstress, which is just a young spinster in my mind. <laughs> There's definitely been a stigma in history against single individuals, but I think that, you know, the single folk are trying to retake that. Things like calling Valentine's Day Single Awareness Day. There's a movement that is suggesting maybe finding a person to be in a relationship, maybe getting married is not the end-all be-all of life. When I hear Singles Awareness Day, I feel like that probably has a tone of bitterness to it, that people feel like they're deliberately called out for not being in a relationship, but they wish to be. Whereas I do believe a lot of people are starting to embrace singledom in a way that kind of ignores both the Valentine's Day and Singles Awareness Day dynamic altogether, and they just call it a, a Thursday or whatever it is. What is it? I think it's Tuesday. It might be a Tuesday. We are so bad at Valentine's Day. <laughs> I was watching a TED Talk about being single versus being in a relationship. And this lady that was giving the talk, she starts off her speech and she says, I'm 63 years old and I've been single my whole life. And there was this like awkward silence afterward. And I think she was waiting for people to applaud. And then that didn't happen. So she started like raising her arms and celebrating on stage. And then the crowd picked up like, oh, shit, we're supposed to like help her out here. And then there was this really weird forced clapping that was happening. I imagine a lot of people find it hard to celebrate other people's singleness or single by choiceness. There aren't really any defining moments where you get a party and a cake for being single. We should probably change that. Yeah, when you're single, you buy yourself a cake and have a party whenever you want. You know, it loses its charm after about 20 years, but it is, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting comparison because how many comedians, speeches, what have you, have you heard where they'll mention, I've been married to my wife for 10 years and immediately everybody starts clapping. Oh my God, 10 years, like six years. And it's like, that's not even that long. You haven't made it yet, but people celebrate that just instantaneously. And this lady, it was kind of sad. 63 years single. Huh? Huh? Anybody? And they're like, no, no. Well, maybe it's because comedians don't do terribly well in the ways of love that it is an accomplishment if they get married and stay married. But we should start celebrating the 63-year-old ladies who stay single and are loving it. This lady in her speech, though, points out what I thought was an interesting quote. In the Supreme Court ruling that legalized same-sex marriage, Justice Anthony Kennedy said, quote, marriage responds to the universal fear that a lonely person might call out and find no one there. And the word universal in that quote, to me, seems uh, maybe a bit of an overstatement. Yeah. I mean, I'm never drinking alone if my cats are here. <laughs> and universally, do you think people are afraid of being lonely and calling out into the void and having no one respond to them? I wouldn't say it's universal. I think more people prefer to have a partner than don't. But there are plenty of people who really enjoy their solitude and their independence and crafting a life for themselves with, under their own terms. Mm. Definitely the majority of people would prefer to be in a relationship. But 
trends do show that there is an increase in individuals living a single lifestyle for longer and longer periods of time. It's not just a, hey, I haven't found anybody to date yet, but it's a, I'm committed to just being single. Yeah. I'm one of those people. (laughs) It's great. You're not special anymore, though. There's lots of you now. I never said I was special. I think you're special, Kelly. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But I did have a fear the first time I got out of a long term relationship and I was then living on my own, thinking that this was going to be very isolating, that it would be lonely, that it would be unsustainable. And it turned out to be none of those things. I love living alone. I love having my entire life at my discretion when it comes to how I use my free time. It's pretty sweet. I had been dating somebody. They lived in half of a house. This house was split into two, so two separate units. And their neighbors in the other unit were planning on moving out. And I was thinking to myself, like, that might be it. That's the answer. I live alone, so I have my own house, but if I want to, I can go next door and see the person I'm dating. I went to high school with someone whose grandparents were still married to each other, but they lived in separate towns on the Oregon coast. They really just wanted to have like their own time. And then, you know, when they didn't want to be alone anymore, they would, I guess, visit each other. So there's lots of ways to be single or be in a relationship that don't necessarily mean living together. That's definitely something that's been dispelled a lot in modern times. Pretty sure the origin of that was the man cave. Do you know what the girl equivalent of the man cave is? The kitchen. Oh, no. Let's go. <laughs> no. no, you're going to you set it. yourself up for that one. You're going to hate it so much, though, what it actually is. All right, let's hear it. It's the same sort of like, this is a space that's only for her and Mm. the kitchen doesn't qualify because he has to go get beer eventually, right? It's a place just for the lady. Mm -hmm. It's the the she shed. Oh God. She shed? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But realistically, perhaps these urges that people have always had pressured into a relationship or pressured into a marriage, but having this desire for some degree of singlehood and needing their own space, perhaps people are just becoming more and more comfortable with manifesting that on a larger scale as a lifestyle. And that's where these trends of increasingly positive attitudes towards remaining single are coming from. Absolutely. There's a lot more independence, especially for women You don't necessarily need to be in a relationship to afford a lot of the things that are necessary in life anymore. I suppose, depending on where you live. Yeah. The the Bay makes it very difficult to be single. I don't even know if there are a lot of people in the Bay Area who have partners that they live with who can avoid roommates even after that. And it's not even a big enough space to have a man cave or a she shed. There is still a lot of pressure and questions about whether or not being single forever is right for you. I remember getting grilled a lot after I said, I don't want to date anymore. And people saying, are you sure? Maybe you should try. And maybe there are going to be other options out there for you. And there's still a domineering cultural effect of you shouldn't be single. And it reminds me of a a post that I saw on 
A-I-T-A or am I the asshole? Wait, what is this? A-I-T-A? Am, am I the asshole? Yeah, am I the asshole? It is a very heavily trafficked page within Reddit. I think they call that a subreddit. I know things. And what it is is a place where people can go and describe a situation. Often they do so without full details and kind of try to omit some information that might paint them in a in a corner. But essentially getting input from people about a situation about whether or not they're in the wrong or in the right when it comes to interpersonal disputes. This seems like a a lot of need for self-validation here. Tons of it. I definitely think a good afternoon is spent reading through those posts and wondering why people do not have any self-awareness. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of this before, but it kind of sounds like something I would like. I think you would. So one of these Am I the Asshole posts reminds you of this today? Yeah, there's a post I read, which is pretty recent, of somebody who kind of went through the same questions about their own choices that I had probably about 10 years ago. So the the post is AITA for staying single and rejecting everyone who asks me out. Okay. And then the poster writes, I'm 19 and female, never had a boyfriend, but been asked out a few times, mostly decline. I don't want to go out with anyone. Kind of feel like being single forever, but IDK. That means I don't know, Josh. Mm. IK. <laughs> AITA for rejecting everyone who asks me out. I kind of feel like being single forever at 19 years old. It seems like she's got a long way to go before she makes up her mind about this. Well, sure. I don't think anything about her post indicates that she's necessarily going to permanently declare herself single. There's not really even a way to do that. Maybe she's just not interested in dating right now and she's going to change her mind in a few years. That being said, I definitely don't think if the, if what we're supposed to do here is decide if she's the asshole or not. I definitely don't think she's an asshole for declining people who are asking her out. What if she's leading them on? Oh, then she's the asshole. <laughs> I think it depends on the context. If she's just getting randomly asked out when she goes out in public with some like girlfriends, nobody has any way of knowing that she wouldn't have been interested in dating. But let's say that she's being pursued by a mutual friend who kind of knows what her stance is and still asks her out, then they are definitely the asshole. I could definitely see myself going down a rabbit hole with these posts. But regardless of whether or not this girl in particular is an asshole or not, she's definitely asking herself the same question that we're asking in this episode. And that is, you know, is it better to stay single or to pursue a relationship? And I think that for me, at least the main benefit of remaining single would just be freedom. A hundred percent. You still have obligations that any person would have like You have to work and take care of any responsibilities you have, but your time is entirely yours unless you have like a really domineering family. But let's say that you don't. I get to do whatever I want with my evenings. Mostly I don't do anything and that's perfectly fine. Except for Tuesdays where you get to do this with your evenings. (laughs) That's true. I But that's something that I committed to freely and I didn't have to consult anybody else to see if that would fit into our mutual schedules. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is you get to commit to the things that you think are important without compromise. And 
you brought up work, there's a commitment to work, but at the same time, you even have more freedom with your work. You're not obligated financially to somebody else. You can choose if you want to pursue potentially work for passion or how much of yourself you would like to dedicate to your job. Some of us want to dedicate as little as possible to our jobs. Other people find their careers exceptionally meaningful and want to put an amount of time into it that a partner would potentially take exception to. Yeah. There are people who will accept jobs that take them into different cities or put them on a completely different trajectory. And when you have a partner, that usually is something that needs to be at least discussed. Mm -hmm. You may not come to an agreement and sometimes relationships will end over it. But if I got a job offer tomorrow, and I'm, I'm manifesting this, I'm putting it in the universe to go work somewhere like Paris. I could just do it. I don't have to ask anybody for permission. Maybe the cats might have an opinion, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I, I'm free to go if I want. As long as you can still do this remotely, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Pacific time. We're making it happen right now via internet. So I think that there's a good chance we could do it if I'm in France as well. A one famous example, Nikolai Tesla was historically committed to staying single, married to his work. You hear that term a lot. It could be your career, also just hobbies. I like to climb. I like, what do I like? I like photography. I am trying to play pickleball poorly. I picked up mountain biking. I try to ski, snowboard. I bought myself a DJ set for Christmas. I haven't touched it. Is a lot of hobbies and not a lot of time to do them in. And that's even without needing to allocate some of that time to somebody else. I didn't know you got yourself a DJ set. You didn't know it because I bought it and I haven't touched it yet. (laughs) Or even just committing yourself to your health, whether that be exercise, physical health, diet, whether it be mental health, meditation. I want to meditate 45 minutes a day. I don't have that 45 minutes a day if I spend it on date night with somebody else once or twice a week. But then there are people who may say, but date night with a partner is so much more fulfilling than what you would be giving up. The connection that people get from being in those situations with somebody who really understands them is unparalleled by things like DJ sets or whatever it is you bought yourself. It's a really nice DJ set. Thank you very much. And I'm pretty sure if I learn how it works. We'll see. (laughs) But (laughs) I get what you're saying. In order for that to happen, though, the partners have to be in line with each other. So if one partner is committed, hey, 2023, I'm going to be dieting. I'm going to be exercising. I have these goals that I've set for myself. And the other partner is saying, hey, this is my year where I explore my foodie side. I'm going to be going to restaurants. I want to travel. I want to try new things. A lot of times those partnerships come into conflict and you do have to make compromises or sacrifices on goals that you had and priorities that you wanted to make for yourself. And now you're not able to if you want to maintain the relationship. Look, I'm team single all the way, but I do know when there are partners who have competing interests and priorities, that usually just means that they have the wrong partner. And if they are interested in having a partner, they can probably find someone who doesn't undermine their objectives and perhaps even helps facilitate them. But then again, I'm like anti-relationship altogether. So what do I know? 
That would be the ideal. And maybe, maybe the answer is be single until if you find that right person. But as you know, we contain multitudes. And so I think trying to find somebody that you line up with on all of these categories, you know, in all of the ways that are important to you can be incredibly difficult and potentially unrealistic. I'm reminded of some of the facts of how people found their partners from like the 1950s. And it would be somebody who lived on their street or in the same apartment building. And the proximity just kind of facilitated a relationship. And now we have literally thousands of people that we're able to connect with via dating apps and whatnot. So the amount of people you'd have to, to, to put it kind of bluntly weed through in order to find that ideal partner is, it seems like a lot of work. Speaking of dating apps, if you get to the end of this episode and you can't get enough indubitably Valentine's Day content, last year we did our Valentine's Day special on dating apps. So you can go check that out. I think a lot more people should give singledom a, a try, like a really good earnest try. I don't know if you knew people who like were serial monogamous, where they just basically had no breathing room between people that they were seeing. Mm-hmm. And they never even had a, a moment to even try being single, try being on their own for a little bit. That I think we're listing things here that might seem, I don't want to say superficial, but your job doesn't necessarily define who you are. Your hobbies don't necessarily define who you are. They could, if you so choose. But oftentimes people don't have, like you said, the breathing room to make that a choice because the thing that defines them is their relationship. So if you do have the freedom of singlehood, you get to work on yourself and decide this is who I am. This is what I want to define me, whether that be my job, whether that be volunteer work that I do, whether that be whatever obscure thing that you're into, your cats, nail polish, you know, just throwing random things out here. <laughs> Not directed at anybody who might be on the other end of the Zoom call right now. <laughs> but you get to you get the time to really settle, define, explore, and improve yourself as somebody that's single. And I think that can be not just in contrast to a relationship better, but also potentially necessary to do before you even have the chance of engaging in a healthy relationship at all. Having the space and the freedom to do some self-exploration and development of the things that are most important to you is really probably a good building block towards having a sustainable relationship in the future if that's what you actually want. A lot of people, especially folks who get into relationships pretty young and didn't really get time between when they lived at home and then they were in a relationship, didn't get a chance to really fully form their identities and find out things like what is your communication style? What is your conflict style? What is your attachment style? How do all of these things inform how you're going to behave in a relationship? Or are you just going to adopt the personality of the person that you're dating because you never had a chance to form one of your own? I think we probably all know couples where it's very difficult to think of either one of them or at least one of them as an individual rather than half of the couple. I don't think that that's necessarily healthy. I think all of us do have to have our own individual identity. And then if you are able to synchronize that with somebody else, great. But 
yeah, it seems as though some people can kind of get consumed by either their partner or the partnership to where they aren't their own person at all. And then you end up doing things like going on hikes you don't want to go on. If our listeners could see the look on your face right now, I'm guessing that there's a story behind that. So many hikes. <laughs> that's they that's the the northwest way of like dating is going on hikes it's not no out, outside isn't fun for everybody wait it's not <laughs> well i mean there are times i appreciate seeing trees i just like to see them from the side of a pane of glass <laughs> so it sounds like even if we are on team relationship being single at least for a certain extent to establish that healthy identity to explore the parts of yourself and establish exactly where your priorities are first before entering into a relationship is a necessary part of anybody's life, even if the goal is to be attached to somebody or eventually married in the long run. So this seems like an argument for single is great, but if you can figure out single and take that into a relationship, then potentially relationship could be better. So maybe we just don't like relationship when relationship happens too soon. Or when relationship is built upon a very unstable foundation. Mm. Okay, so let's move into team relationship now. We're going to both have to switch gears here. What are some of the benefits of being in a relationship? Let's assume for a second you know yourself, you've gone through the process that we just talked about as a single person. You're ready to go, hit those dating apps, find the one out of... 500 matches that's going to work out. What's the good in being in a relationship? Well, there's nothing quite like the dopamine hit of like connecting with somebody and not just like going on a date with them, but realizing that they're potentially a partner. There's some like magic toxins in there that are fucking with your brain. I don't know. Have you ever woken up in the morning and seen that somebody rated you five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? You know, I don't because you're the one who gets to see all of those metrics because you own all the accounts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because dating is not happening for me, if any of our listeners do want to pass some dopamine levels my way, feel free to rate or review us. Back to relationships. (laughs) A lot of people really just like having their person, the person that they can lean on and connect with and have a special bond with perhaps an even more special and unique bond than they would have even with just their friends or family. Mm -hmm. I think to be realistic, we just talked in singlehood about trying to discover yourself, become the complete you. And that's all well and good to say that you're going to focus on yourself and become the best version possible. But realistically, how many of us actually get there? It's very possible that that process is never ending. And so another person can help us fill in the gaps that we might never be able to ourselves. That's absolutely possible. There are plenty of people who are great on their own, but when they have the right person as their partner, become their best versions of themselves because they mutually bring out the best in each other, are there as supports, are there as confidants, and ultimately create a real team that couldn't exist if they were just single people. It's like having the right co-host on a podcast. Let me know when you find one. (laughs) Wow. I'm trying to be Valentine's Day spirited here. 
I'm going to be self-deprecating as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but at a at a certain just biological instinctual level, I do think that the majority of our species is hardwired to be paired with at least one other person. A shout out to the polyamorous movement here. I mean, emotional security feels good. You reduce stress. It helps comfort levels. You get to be yourself because you know and you trust the person that you're with. Uh, this just hits a whole lot of biological tick boxes that we have and just need as people. I suppose that is a part of our wiring is that we were supposed to perpetuate our species. And you do that with another person because we are not banana slugs. So you have to kind of have the inclination towards becoming partner with somebody to make that even possible. And there's uh, things like just sharing memories. When you spend enough time with a person, this might be a nod to arranged marriages where who knows if you line up with each other in the beginning. Hopefully, the people that are arranging you take that into consideration to some degree. But even if not, at a certain point, you've just shared so much life with that person that you do form a bond and a sort of interdependence that adds enrichment to your life. There becomes an interdependency effect when partners are established like that. And I wouldn't say that it's unhealthy like codependency is, but finding where through the experiences they've shared, the trials they've endured, all of the life experiences that they've created or gone through together, you find out where one person compensates for the other and how to rely on each other. And relying on another person, whether or not in a partnership, is pretty fundamental towards getting through this whole humanity thing. I'm going to be a traitor here for a second as somebody in the self-proclaimed single awareness camp. I do wonder if potentially that's just because I haven't found, you know, quote unquote, my person yet. I certainly haven't ever felt a connection to somebody where I was like, okay, that's the one career, hobbies, lifestyle, philosophy, humor, whatever, 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 whatever. And so maybe my mindset, maybe my opinion would completely change if I did find somebody that I felt like I synced up with on all of those facets. Very possibly. I can think of a couple couples in my friend group that I am like, they are with their person. And I can think of a lot of couples who really aren't with their person. They're they're doing okay. But the ones where they really do click with each other, where it just works, it's pretty magnificent to see how those people complement each other and they just work with each other so well. Mm, so maybe that's the question is, it's great to have your person, but how many people with a person are with their person or how many of them are just ending up with some asshole people who feel a lot of pressure to be in a relationship and don't really afford themselves the time to go through the process over and over and over again dating people in order to find the person probably just want to get it over with and you'll do i could see myself spending 40 years with you that's fine maybe this is a argument to be in a relationship, but one that doesn't necessarily look like what we traditionally think of a relationship as. It could be one like the couple that you mentioned earlier, living in separate houses. You know, they're in a relationship, but they 
definitely value their independence and their free time. So they're not as interdependent as we might typically think, or said it as a joke earlier, but a polyamorous movement saying, hey, maybe my person is actually my people. And that's how I can maintain some freedom, maintain some of my own identity in a sort of ironic way, but maintain myself by intermingling with multiple people rather than just one who kind of co-ops who I am? Yeah, there are plenty of ways that people can be in a relationship if that's what they want. But if the decision is between being happily single or being in a relationship with an asshole, I'm going to hope that people prefer to be happily single. Ah, but which one of them is the asshole? Am I the asshole? I don't know, Josh. Are you the asshole? Maybe I'll post about it. You might be surprised with the answers that you get, but it's only fair. We did an AITA for the single folks. Maybe we should explore an AITA for somebody in a relationship as well. Oh, do you have another one? Yes. This should be like a quiz where you get to check who you think the asshole is and then compare it to what everybody else thinks. And this like grounds you to know if you're a good person or not. Well, I actually know how people voted on all of these, so I can kind of test you and see how you would vote. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so this is W-I-B-T-A. Do you know what that might stand for? Wish, uh, would I be the asshole? Would I be the asshole? So the situation hasn't happened yet. So would I be the asshole if I asked my boyfriend to cancel his order for my Valentine's Day gift? So now we're going from something they've already done and kind of like, checking back. So now people are looking for advice on what they should do. Yeah, they've got an idea of something that they think they want to do, but they want a kind of gut check to see whether or not it's a good idea. Mm, If they will be the asshole. Yeah. So would this person be the asshole? Hi there. I just wanted to get some opinions here. My BF, that stands for boyfriend, just showed me what he ordered for Valentine's Day. It's a black teddy bear statue made out of plastic roses. It's kind of cute, but he knows that I don't like useless gifts or clutter that just takes up space. I know it sounds really ungrateful, but it's just a waste of money, 60 euros. So this is global. In my eyes, in space for something I won't like, frowny face. He doesn't even have to buy me something. I just don't want any more useless stuff laying around. Should I keep it to myself and slowly move it to a place where... It won't get in my peripheral vision, or should I say that he should get a refund? Edit. As I'm getting a lot of should have told him beforehand that I didn't like that kind of present, I already did that twice for Christmas and my birthday. Mm. So what I would have said originally listening to it was maybe they're early on in the relationship and this person doesn't know. And kind of what we're talking about here, society is structured in a way that stigmatizes single people and puts pressure on people to be in relationships in the right way, maybe he feels as though he has to get her something. But it does sound like if she's already told him twice for Christmas and birthday, and now it's Valentine's Day, so they've been together for at the very least three months, probably longer if he's buying something for her for Christmas. Very likely. What would you do in this situation? Uh, I'm the girl who's receiving the black teddy bear statue. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's weird that he would show her what he ordered for Valentine's Day. That's kind of a strange, like, hey, look at what I got you that I'm going to give to you, but I'm showing you now. 
So I wonder if that means that he's asking her opinion on it. And in that case, yeah, she should tell him. Yeah, no, she's not the asshole. Hmm. He's not an asshole either. I don't know. She's already expressed that she doesn't like that type of gift. He he clearly has no interest in surprising her with the gift if he's showing her what he ordered. So he could at least maybe ask her for what she might be interested in getting. She could give him some broad categories and then he could specialize with it. To play devil's advocate here, I think a lot of times gift giving is for the giver as much as the givey. And maybe she could be more supportive and just let him express his affection in the way that he is trying to. Yeah, relationships sound so stressful. That's it. Back on singles awareness team. Absolutely. I tried for a second. No, I I don't know. This might be a situation where they just don't check each other's boxes. That might be it. This is obviously just one aspect of a relationship, and maybe they sync up with each other in every other way. But if this is the sample size we go on, maybe they're just not on the same wavelengths here. Yeah, I think that if he is showing her the gift ahead of time, he was probably looking for some sort of approval. And that would be disingenuous if she said, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So I think that she should say, please cancel the order. Let's spend the 60 euros, which is what, like $8 million? Who knows? It depends on what Russia is doing at the moment. I don't know. I bet they could take the 60 euros and do something nice for the two of them, like get a nice dinner or something. Mm. This speaks to, I guess, the reason we're doing this episode is Valentine's Day as a holiday just feels forced to a lot of people. I have to show my affection to you and I have to do it in a very particular way to meet society's standards of what romance has to be, particularly on this specific day. All of those ways involve spending money. Just oh, saying. yeah. How do you show anybody you appreciate them without spending money on them? <laughs> but besides just Valentine's Day and holidays that are marred by corporate greed, society is constructed for relationships in general. Have you ever shopped at Costco? Yes. Pretty recently, too. I Okay, I'm trying to cut down on my carbs. But I go to Costco... And I have a crazy sweet tooth and baked goods are my weakness. And when I go through that bakery and I see the muffins where you can get two six packs for like $8, I have to get two six packs. They let you get two. So I have to get two. That's 12 muffins and they're huge. I can't eat 12 muffins by myself. I need to date somebody if I want to shop at Costco. Oh, I see. The bulk size means that you have to share with another person. And it has to be somebody you're in a relationship with. That's it. That's my, I, that's it. Hold on. Stop the recording while I download like five dating apps. Ugh, who are you? Do you think that would be a good profile? I am looking for somebody to split Costco muffins with. Must like chocolate and poppy seed. Those are the best ones. Let's go. <laughs> But realistically, though, everything from shopping, cooking, it's harder to cook for yourself, paying rent we talked about earlier, buying a house. It does seem as though society is kind of based on an assumption that you are supposed to be wandering through the world with somebody. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. It is 
pretty difficult to be a single woman, single income household homeowner. Oh, man. At the end of the day, I would like it if somebody else would do the dishes from time to time and maybe also pay part of my mortgage. Okay, so we're saying here that the benefit of a relationship is we get emotional support. We get shared memories. We get somebody to help us eat muffins at Costco before they go bad and avoid just the amount of carbs that 12 of those things carry in them. Like you said, why does it have to be a relationship? What's the benefit of a relationship over a good friendship or a good couple of friendships? Yeah, I have a friend who wants to do Costco runs with me. We live pretty close to each other. We could just be friends that go to Costco and maybe split the giant pack of laundry detergent. That's totally fine too. But if you're looking for a different type of connection with people, maybe don't use Costco as your justification to have that deeper connection with people. There, you Use the validation and the emotional attachment and the support of having a person like that, I guess. Don't tell me what to prioritize in my identity and how I want to navigate my relationships in the world. Your your identity is muffin-based currently, <laughs> so I think that I can critique it just a little bit. Let's say I want to learn Spanish. I need to keep up with my Duolingo. Easier to do if somebody is there keeping me accountable. You know who's keeping you accountable for your Duolingo practice? That fucking owl. That fucking green owl. <laughs> <laughs> it does go trip me every you. time I, I miss a day. But I just need an accountability buddy in my life. You can have that too. You can even use dating apps to get that. You can join Bumble BFF and meet people that just want to be like platonic friends. That's true. And then there's also groups like Meetup where people can, kind of like a dating app for friends, find others with similar interests who check those boxes and fulfill whatever need it is that after all of your self-work, you feel, hey, this is an area where I'd, I'd like a little bit of help to actualize myself and kind of get as close to that final version of who I want to be as possible. All the meetups in my area suck. I looked at it. I'm sorry. I don't want to join a Bible study. Oh, I was going to say, let me guess their hikes. Oh, that too. There's so many hike based activities around. You basically cannot be a full person in the Pacific Northwest. If you have any antipathy towards hiking. All right. Well, if the end goal of your self-actualization is to find somebody to hike with. I suppose the end goal of a relationship would potentially be marriage. That's what the tradition has always stipulated. So what is the benefit to marriage versus boyfriend, girlfriend? Well, a lot of people like the permanence of a marriage that when you are committed to somebody to that degree, it it takes a lot of forethought, hopefully, to get into that degree of a serious relationship. And it would also mean that since it's difficult to leave it, then you would have to put in some work to try to retain it in a lot of cases. And a lot of the societal benefits we talk about for relationships are deepened for marriage. I know we're joking around about Costco muffins, but marriage takes our chocolate poppy seed union to a whole nother level. Buying a house together, getting insurance, various other benefits or legal privileges. Marriage can help facilitate those things. There are some people who do those things with platonic partners, or in order to get a lot of those benefits, may 
even enter into a marriage with somebody that is purely platonic, but because there are these other benefits associated with marriage, you want to take advantage of it, even if they don't really like like that person that way. <laughs> or, you know, if you find your love internationally, you can get citizenship or a green card. Or like you said, even if you haven't found love, but you want your green card anyways, marriage can be a useful tool for that. Be a useful tool for making some extra money on the side too. <laughs> That's true. Maybe you're in Spain trying to establish roots in the US or something. There are a lot of monetary or logistical benefits to being married, but most of the time that people get married currently is because they want to have an established lifelong commitment with somebody and they want a degree of permanence to happen that they would not necessarily get if they were just in a relationship. Relationships oftentimes have a sort of temporary nature to them because there's nothing that is cementing these people together. And you can look at marriage cynically and say that people are, you know, ball and chain trapped with each other. But the idea that always having that person in your life because of a marriage, it gives a lot of comfort to people with a very uncertain world operating around us at all times. Right. We we talked about emotional benefits of relationships earlier on. And I think that each of those benefits is strengthened the more permanent the relationship is. Emotional security, the more permanent it is, the better that is. A reduction of stress, comfort levels, being yourself, uh, sharing memories. So the longer the relationship goes, the more of all of those things you have. Just knowing that you're with somebody that really, really likes, theoretically, hopefully, loves you, feels good. That does have a positive impact on us as human beings. If you like it, should have put a ring on it. I think it's a very clear expression of how committed somebody has to be to go through marriage, especially when it comes to things like changing your name and having to do all of the paperwork. There is not much in this world that could force me to do paperwork I didn't otherwise have to do. And maybe that speaks to how important marriage is that the government takes it so seriously. It's two people getting together telling each other they like each other. Realistically, what is the, what does our government have to do with the private interactions between two people? Yeah, what does the government have to do with it? <laughs> A lot, it turns out. There's so many benefits that happen externally to that private relationship that the government facilitates or provides that now it's pretty much a done deal, but making sure that people in the population are able to marry who, when, what <laughs> they want. Uh, it's important for government to protect those rights. Within reason. Okay, maybe not the what, maybe not the what. Nobody's mirroring any snakes around here, but it does raise a legitimate question about why the government is even involved with marriage altogether, why the government has decided to reward people for getting married by giving them financial benefits and access to certain rights and privileges that they don't otherwise have, why does that need to be a government interaction whatsoever for people? Well, I think that if you're going to have financial benefits or if you're going to have certain legal statuses that are afforded to you, all of those things are things that are controlled by the government. So in a way, marriage has to interact with the government if those 
benefits are going to be handed out. But why hand them out at all to people based on marriage? Why not just give everybody a little bit of all of those rights or financial benefits and not recognize or confer any privilege to people for saying, I like you enough to do paperwork about it? Uh, (laughs) That's an interesting idea. So you're suggesting they spread the benefits out among all of the individuals. And I suppose by default, if you connect yourself to somebody else, now you have two sets of those benefits rather than holding it hostage and only handing it out to people who have gone through the state-recognized status? Yeah. How is that fair to me? They're choosing that they want to spend a life with somebody and I'm choosing I want to spend my life alone. Why do they get a tax break? Mm. There was talk of this, uh, especially during the gay rights movement, looking to have marriage rights expanded of saying, hey, instead of expanding rights to everybody, why don't we just take the right to marriage away from everybody? At least in a governmental sense. If you want to have a religious marriage, go for it. That's your business. But the state should not be sponsoring it at all. Just eliminate state recognition of marriage. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable idea to at least explore. Okay, but there have to be some benefits to the government that stem from the population getting married. There's obvious benefits, at least in the current system, to the population from the government. But would a society have a vested interest in the people within that society making this sort of permanent paperwork approved union with each other? It seems like the government's motivation for having this endorsement of marriage is basically about the family unit and the stability of a nuclear family, you know, two parents, 2.5 kids, a picket fence, et cetera. But very importantly in that is the is the children encouraging people to have families by endorsing marriage is a really big motivator for the government. This is all assuming that these families have adopted a child first, right? Oh, please. Come on. <laughs> for all of you who are wondering what Josh is talking about, shame on you for not listening to a couple episodes back where we discussed whether it's unethical to have a biological child before you adopt one. Mm. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that a single parent can't raise a child. But statistically, if we have to generalize an entire population, I do think that there are benefits of children having that stable nuclear family with at least two parents of whatever makeup that happens to take. And people who want to have that kind of family structure absolutely can. They can do it without being married, or they can do it through an exclusively religious marriage and build their lives together without necessarily being endorsed by the state. But is it not fair for the state then if it recognizes like across an entire population, this is the situation that gives society the best results, we should incentivize that in some way? Is that not fair? But do the results of having a nuclear family rely on the government giving you a tax break for getting married? Not necessarily, but I think while children is certainly a big piece of the puzzle, there's also other factors at play here. There's financial security that comes from having two incomes tied to each other. If one spouse loses their job, for example, having somebody that you have made a legal commitment to with an income to stabilize the family uh, while one person gets back on their feet, I think is useful. You can more easily save money 
as a couple that is tied together in a more binding way, which allows you to invest in the economy at large, allows you to invest in the community that you live in. Like you said earlier, if you're single and you get a job offer in Paris, you're gone. You're out of the country taking your money and income and knowledge with you. If you have a family, you are more likely to keep that here in the community you live in. All of these things are reasons for why a government having a relationship with a married couple might be beneficial all around and something we should keep. Or there are potential abuses that happen in marriage that wouldn't happen otherwise. Like, say, imaginary husband, let's call him Jerry. Jerry decides to clean out the joint checking account and spends it all on a weekend in Atlantic City. Jerry is definitely the asshole. (laughs) He absolutely is. But those are the sorts of things when you link yourself to somebody else financially, you put yourself at risk as much as you give yourself the potential for security. But I'd like to think, as, as jaded as we obviously both are about relationships, I'd like to think that that's in the minority of cases. In the majority of cases, the stability from a relationship codified through marriage vows would provide usually benefits to society and therefore be something worth rewarding. Maybe the tax break makes up for all the unpaid labor that the women have to do in their she shed slash kitchen. <laughs> all right. So let's let's for a second put aside all of these cases of being assholes. Let's assume best case scenario being single. You get to work on yourself. You have the freedom. You're comfortable with who you are. You have emotional stability. You don't need somebody else. Versus relationship, you've gotten into it. You've actualized as a person. You've met somebody who checks the majority of boxes, the important ones. It's a healthy level of dependence on each other without becoming codependent. Versus marriage, you've done the paperwork, you have the stability, you've got all those sweet government benefits, you've got that joint Costco card. If we're giving the benefit of the doubt to each of these relationships, which one is the best? For me, or outside of the context of me, those are important questions. You get to pick one. For me, then, because it always is about me. For me, I prefer being single currently, but I've said this before, and I will stick by it, that there are always going to be possibilities where I do meet my person, that it just happens. And uh, who am I to then say, no, I'm so staunchly single that I could not entertain the possibility that I found somebody who's willing to be my, my partner in life, not just a partner, but actually forming the team that is me plus that person. So that could happen. But I do like being single right now. And I've liked being single for like nine years. So it's probably sticking around for a while. Mm. I wonder, we just finished an episode on determinism, where we asked the question, do we as human beings have free will to make decisions like how do we enter into or leave relationships? Or are those things pre-programmed by our biology and society at large? And so when I approach this topic of single versus relationship versus marriage, I wonder, is this actually a choice? Like, obviously, everybody's going to have different opinions, but I wonder if each of us is just predetermined into any particular lifestyle. If you are just 
set being single and you couldn't choose otherwise, if somebody's set in a relationship, couldn't choose otherwise, or somebody just has to be married and can't imagine life without that. I wonder how much flexibility we really have there. That's an interesting idea. I've known some people that were so resolute about needing to be married that they basically got married the first time they had somebody on the hook who was marriage material. I've had other people who are a little more laissez-faire about things. That's like, let's just take life as it comes and maybe not try to cultivate a specific outcome. Well, for you, our listeners, I hope that this Valentine's Day, you find yourself happy and celebrating or not with whatever relationship status it is that you prefer. If you'd like to be hiking the wilderness on your own, happily single. If you'd like to be sitting down at a fancy restaurant with that person that you found on the dating app, or whether you'd like to spend it with your spouse, you've done the paperwork, you've got the rings, whatever your ideal scenario of Valentine's Day is, I hope that you get to enjoy it. And please try to remain a little bit optimistic about life, despite what you just heard us spew for about an hour. <laughs> and if you want to send Kelly or I a Valentine, reestablish our faith in humanity, you can do that as always, Facebook or Twitter at IndubitablyPod. We will be as jaded as we are, happy to receive them. I must admit that if we were to receive a Valentine, that would probably crack through a lot of ice in this cold, dead heart of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what your cats were supposed to be there for. They do warm my heart to some degree, but I feel like they're pretty much as cynical as I am most of the time, too. They fight a lot. Mm, they're not each other's Valentines. They do snuggle with each other during the winter, and Valentine's Day is in the winter, so we can kind of pretend maybe that they're in love with each other. They're not fooling anybody. <laughs> no, they're not. 